Welcome to the Korea Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chung-Min Kim, the Editorial Director of Korea Pro. And I'm John Lee, the Editor of Korea Pro. Join us for a weekly 15-minute conversation as we dive into the most pressing stories shaping South Korea and dissect the most complicated ones for you. From politics to culture, technology to society, we've got you covered. So stay ahead of the curve and never be sidelined again. So get ready for a fresh perspective on South Korea's news. This is the Korea Pro Podcast. John is off today, so I'm joined with uh, two members, two other members of Korea Pro, Lena Park and Shunha. Park, hello. Hello, it's good to be here. Hi. Let's start with the biggest domestic politics news this week, a merger, party yes. merger. Lee Jun-suk is leading it. Lee Na-kyun, uh, they're they sort of like a co, co-chairman yes. sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's quite fascinating to see this as someone who voted for past election multiple times because these four parties of nine people, mm-hmm. they don't mix very well. It's really awkward to see all <laughs> of them in, in one photo, especially yeah. uh, very feminist Ryu Ho-jung mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Justice Party a very unconventional party member as well in the past, and Lee Jun-suk, who is the opposite of Ryu Ho-jung, really, and Lee Na-kyun, who's like an elder sort of figure in South Korean politics. Juna, just very quickly, who is Ryu Ho-jung and Lee Jun-suk? Well, she's a 31-year-old, uh, Ryu Ho-jung. She was the youngest uh, National Assembly lawmaker who was elected to represent the Justice Party in 2020, and she's been known to advocate for women's rights mm. and has been a very avid feminist, building on the feminist narrative um, shifted perspectives on gender as well um, during her time in the Justice Party. She recently left the Justice Party last year to join the party merger and recently joined ranks with Lee Jun-suk, as you just mentioned, a known advocate for voicing the inequalities of men mm. in South Korean society. Now, mm. for Lee Jun-suk, in that he also was elected as the youngest ever leader of the ruling party. Right, in 20- elected by party Party so members. He, he, so he's never been elected to district or no. proportional actual mm-hmm. lawmaker seat, but he was chosen as a party leader during the Suk campaign, mm-hmm. right? And he became the youngest ever leader of the ruling party in 2021 at the age of 36, but was ousted from the role mm. in 2022 over allegations of sexual bribery mm. and an attempted cover-up. Mm. So he left the party in December last year. He created his own new reform party, as you just stated. Of course, one of the before merger, his one of his first pledges was to mandate women who want to serve certain public um, service posts to go to the military. And that's, that's not true. surprising that mm-hmm. he came up with that. And that's why it's very awkward to see Ryu Ho-jung and Lee Jun-suk in one photo. Mm-hmm. And what about Lee Na-kyun? Lee Na-kyun uh, was a former ROC prime minister. He's serving one of the longest terms ever during the Moon administration. And also He's... former party leader. Yes, that's true. However, the support that originally was for him from supporters of the Moon administration kind of waned during his fluctuating performance as party leader mm-hmm. for the Democratic Party and also diminished after his loss to Lee Jae-myung in the presidential Which primaries. Which was actually quite surprising at the time to see. That's very true. And he's taken a year-long hiatus in the U.S. and he came back and left the DP in January. And I quote that he said that it was a one-man party and a bulletproof party mm. um, where violent and low-class speech conduct are rampant. Uh, just moving on, uh, the the rest are, like Kim Tae-sap and others are also interesting, but for the sake of time, they are all the defectors from, defectors, defectors from the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like their main primary goal for a merger is to aim at the young swing voters. That's but true. 
being a young generation ourselves have mm-hmm. you talked to your friends about that what did they say well honestly i don't believe much has changed for my friends mm. um, i think most of them are still very much disheartened by the strong and quite frankly immature rhetoric that's coming out from the two political parties being mm. tossed around from party to party by the day and um, they've waned attention to politics as a whole turning off their screens the entrance of a uh, merger party like this uh, with the same familiar faces doesn't seem to project any significant changes mm. for the hopefulness in April. What about for your friends, Lena? Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion among my friends as to what these alliance wants, questioning the merge as well. Quoting Han Dong-un, he described the party merger as a disguised marriage mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for obtaining some sort of like permanent like residency. you would understand that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I do feel a sense of interest, at least like uh, towards a new alliance uh, from some of my friends because there is also a high level of frustration towards the two major parties. Mm. And so they are kind of feeling this new vibe. I'm pretty sure it's because of the term as well. Mm. But there is a sense of urgent and new vibe to break free or be saved from the two-party dominance, at least. Right. For, for my friends who are in um, early 30s, women in early 30s, they're like, what the hell is progressive parties doing with Lee Jun-suk. but That's very true. Right. So they have a long way to go to persuade those types of demographics. But mm-hmm. uh, just very quickly, it does look like Lee Nagyeon made a little bit of a concession with the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at the membership uh, status, it seems like Lee is still leading the campaigning committee. So what is he gaining from merging these two parties then? For Lee Yeah. I think like because he was so unpopular, Paul's yeah. show. I think it's maybe was a strategic uh, negotiation right. on his end to go with a few younger generation and non-conventional politicians like Yu Ho Jung and Lee Jun Suk, which would have been a very big decision for him. Mm-hmm. Something like growing young, like nurturing next generation politicians who are not authoritarian or right. fandom politics or whatever, sort of like a moral justification maybe mm-hmm. for Inagyeon. But mm-hmm. I ask you to. What does Lee Jun-suk gain from allying with Lee Nagyeon? Well, just as I mentioned before, there's a rigid political division between the two parties, and they're coupled with the growth of undecided voters, mm. as you mentioned before, swing voters, and allows him to project his merger party as a centrist alternative. So for Lee Jun-suk, if successful, he could potentially earn a newer political ground mm. uh, with this centrist doctrine, mm. garnering a better support base against the current administration's I mean, policy. He, he will have to tone down a lot to to be to sound true. more centrist. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like there is an overarching agreement between all of these politicians that they do want to punish the Yoon Sagar administration. And for Yoon Jun Suk, maybe it's a little bit of a personal vendetta as well because mm-hmm. PPP sort of just threw him away. How do you see this unraveling in April then? Will this party live up to what it is promised? It's actually interesting that we have a few polls. I, uh, apparently, a lot of media was interested in this exact question. So they asked multiple pollsters to see how popular they are. Lee Jun-suk claimed that they will be able to get six to seven seats, mm. but it seems maybe, yes, um, there is a cutoff percentage in the proportional party vote, which is if you are under 3%, you don't get any proportional seat. But polls do show that Democratic Party and PPP, uh, they sort of tie still around mm. 30%, but uh, Shindang, the new reform party, for the first time was included into the survey, the merger one. That's true. And yeah. many of them mm. are in general 6%. Which is not bad. Yeah. Mm. And also, uh, when people are asked just about the proportional seats, 9% 
for a new reform party it's very high but the real question is what's up with everyone what's their ultimate goal like the ultimate goal maybe is to break the two-party system but that's almost impossible in the semi-mmp the mixed member proportional representation which i explained in last week's podcast (laughs) uh for i think it's like half and half one is to get the centrist left voters um although it will be almost impossible for the democratic party to get the super majority again but still they can sort of prevent that and getting the centrist right is also part of the agenda, especially for Ejun Sok, um, to make sure that PPP does not want and increase the possibility of a lame duck status for you. Yes. Junhai and I are working on a story regarding this merger, so check out for more. It will be published on Friday. The second topic is regarding one of the hottest social issues related headlines in South Korea these days, especially after South Korean government and the Seoul city introduced measures to support this, which is egg freezing. This hasn't been something well known to South Korean public, at least in the you know, maybe five years before. Yeah, yeah. Never people, I've never really heard about this. Across. But now, whenever I'm meeting my friends, they always talk about this really? at least once. Wow. Um, and Hyojin Kim, one of our contributing analysts, she wrote about this. For me, this was personally very informative as I, I was also personally considering it. And many of my friends are as well, both married and unmarried. What did you think reading it? For me, I found it quite informative as well. Um, I previously didn't commit as much attention uh, mm-hmm. to the egg freezing surge, but the hardships that women face in this country are pretty Mm. much paramount and the mental and physical challenges that come with egg freezing for women in this country Mm. uh, is something that I definitely learned from. Right. Lena? Yeah, well, first of all, it was surprising to read how many women actually undergo egg freezing procedures. Mm. Like the number of women actually going through the procedure doubled Mm. and there were like 1,500, right? Mm. But I feel conflicted about this topic, though. I am glad to see so many women, you know, take initiative of their body and and take control of their future. But two, it's so damn expensive. It's expensive and also really detrimental to your health if you don't do it right, because it's a lot of hormonal procedure and Mm -hmm. everything. But let's start a little bit with a more bigger picture question. Mm -hmm. Marriage and birth rate in general, Mm -hmm. whenever there is a networking party with career risk group clients, this topic almost Mm -hmm. always comes up at least once. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are all generally... (laughs) <laughs> MZ in Korea. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we're buddies uh, speaking here. But we do have a bit of an age gap. And I was just wondering, what do your friends say when you discuss potential childbirth or marriage issues when you talk to them just mm-hmm. on personal levels? Um, well, despite having a friend that is married, um, the current socioeconomic gain that comes from marriage and mm. potential childbirth is outweighed by not pursuing this route. Mm. Um, so I've noticed that many of my friends do not have marriage and potential childbirth in mm. their sights for routes in life. Mm. They focus mostly on relationships and dating. And Lena? Yeah, most of my friends are supportive of marriage and childbirth, actually. Mm. Um, but maybe it's because we are heading into our late 20s now. <laughs> but whether through I'll birth or adoption, <laughs> I think it's still interesting to see how our um, perceptions shift as we get older. Like our question has shifted from, oh, do I want a baby? Right. To can I now financially support a child? Like, am I healthy enough? There are so many factors that are uncontrollable now. And I think that's when the topic of egg freezing comes from, too. Right. And for yeah. For me and my friends, the am I healthy enough to get a baby is an increasingly salient topic for us. But I just wanted to mention, how accurately do you think media portrays this issue? They mostly paint the entire generation as against marriage or childbirth. But like Lena says, and my experience as well, that's not really true. And it's much more complicated than that. Yeah, it's definitely more complicated. 
complicated than that because we're now seeing increasingly different types of unconventional types of family as to why 20s and 30s may be seen as going against marriage. Maybe that marriage and childbirth isn't simply a priority for young people anymore. Like、mm. young people still value marriage and family, but. Or they are delaying or redefining these milestones, like due to like variety of factors, like economic. Right. Yeah. And so younger generations are also increasingly considering unconventional types of family, childbirth, like partnership, like which is cohabit. Cohabitation, yeah, cohabitation, like roommate setup, yeah, cohabitation、right? without marriage,、uh, you know, single parenthood by choice,、mm. same-sex partnerships, and blended families.、Mm-hmm. Um, it will take time for legal system to adapt to these changes, but I think overall, a perceptions towards family is definitely changing. Because I just looked up a quick data from、mm. um, Statistics Korea,、mm. and across all generations. Hobbies came first when there was a survey of like how one wants to spend their retirement, and family came last.、Hmm. And June, anything you wanted to add? So the current Bioethics Act, Article Twenty Four of the current South Korean jurisdiction, it does not specify whether it is illegal for an unmarried woman to receive a sperm donation, and only writes that there can be legal consent for a spouse for a married woman,、hmm. which doesn't. Have a clear basis for those restrictions, and within the bioethics law on unmarried、um, woman's pregnancy and childbirth through sperm donation, there is only ethical guidelines from medical groups. Right. Although there's a lack of actually legal restriction, I think still the fact that they are recommending otherwise. Yes.、Mm-hmm. I think it still speaks volume of the current state of how people still、mm-hmm. see. Yeah,、uh, You know, they link childbirth to marriage, but I feel like what media talks about when it comes to low birth rate in South Korea, which is the lowest in the world, they always usually talk about the career problem for women after marriage or childbirth, paternity leave or gender gender conflict or wage、uh, related issues like glass ceiling. But, but there are these problems, but it's not like these problems newly emerged. It always、right. existed in、Korea. always been in place, right? But But still, data shows that there is a spike in low birth rate and increasing unlikelihood for a lot of people to not get married. Maybe、mm-hmm. there's other variables as well, right?、Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just that people just live longer as well. They just consider things a little bit later in their lives. Yeah,、maybe? that's also true. Yeah, which is I feel that because in my mind I'm still in my twenties, sort of.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't feel like I'm in like I have to have children right away. Yeah, same. I I still feel like I have a lot of time, and a lot of my friends feel that way. Like、yeah. in the past, people used to get. Really early married and like get jobs when they're just early twenties. That's、right. not happening these yeah, days. Yeah, absolutely not. not. Cultures change.、Mm-hmm. Culture change and just people's like pace of life sort of changed. So maybe the egg freezing issue is an evidence to that because maybe people are just not necessarily attaching marriage issues to immediate childbirth. Maybe they want to get married. After mid thirties,、uh, mm-hmm. but they still want to retain the option. Not that people like women do not want children right. anymore. Right. I think that's a lot like distorted a lot of times in、mm-hmm. South Korean media.、Mm-hmm. And lastly,、um, if any government officials are listening to this. To this generation that has a largely different concept of, you know, marriage and childbirth,、mm-hmm. what can the government do aside from egg freezing support? Well, helping women with mental repercussions is、mm. something that I think 
always comes up. You know, um, women, as I said before, the problems that women face in South Korean society right now are paramount. Mm. You've just mentioned that there's a glass ceiling still to break. There is a gender pay gap that is currently still ongoing in vast majority of cases. So I think that the government's promotion of egg freezing should also have measures for helping women with mental repercussions and physical repercussions as mm. well. I think the government could definitely create more awareness on accepting different types of families mm. and amend the law to accept them and cater to their needs. It's not that younger generations are against like marriage or childbirth, but there are so many implications in life that would not make their life easier. You know, retaining yeah. option and creating legal amendments would be very helpful, and we hope there are more systematic support in the future. And for more information, read Hyojin's uh, story. Unlock the full Korea Pro experience by joining our community. Stay informed, stay ahead, and never miss a beat on Korean affairs that matter. Subscribe today and transform the way you understand Korea. All right, let's move on to the week ahead segment. It seems that the South Korean president was planning to go to Denmark and Germany, but it was postponed, it seems, for some reason. And what mm-hmm. was this thing about the Jap- Japan summit? Was it confirmed? No, it wasn't. Right, but there was a Japanese media reporting on this possibility. Yep. But the most important thing to look for next week is John and Junha will be going to a press conference to see Junseok. Yes, that's correct. Oh. So, um, it will be at the press center, yes. Right. If you have any questions you want Junha to ask Lee Junsok, please leave a review. Thank you. And for more information about what's coming up next week, check our Monday Week Ahead newsletter. Subscribe for more. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know more, sign up for our daily executive briefings. We brief you on all you need to know from the past 24 hours and why they matter every morning in your inboxes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for your weekly dose of insight. And until next time, I'm Jungmin Kim. And I'm John Lee. Stay connected, stay informed, and we'll see you next time on the Great Pro Podcast.